0: Hello, we hope that you're having a good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you may be listening from. Welcome to the LATAM FDI podcast. In these recordings, we'll be looking at the Latin American region in its entirety through the prism of foreign direct investment. We hope that you find these recordings to be informational, educational, and entertaining. Hello, welcome to the first of a series of podcasts that we're going to be recording for the LATAM FDI website. What we're going to try to do in these uh, conversations is to make the listeners aware of individuals with whom they can invest in Latin America. We'll be doing podcasts that pertain to the entire region. Today, we have Jason Wolf with us. He's the president of a company called NovaLink in Mexico. Jason, could you introduce yourself and basically give us a synopsis of what your company does?
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Thank you, Stephen. Um, my name is Jason Wolfe. I'm the president and CEO of Novalink. Uh, Novalink is a company that was founded in uh, uh, early 1989. Uh, this company was founded uh, as a manufacturing services provider to our clients. The idea behind Novalink was, or still is today, that there are a lot of companies that need to get to Mexico would like to be in Mexico and take part in the benefits of manufacturing in Mexico uh, we'll talk I'm sure a little bit about what many of those benefits are here in a minute uh, but Novalink's idea is that there are companies that are looking to place a product line uh move their facility completely into Mexico but do not have the resources or the desire to come to Mexico and start something on on their own. So Novalink is uh, probably categorized as a shelter manufacturing company. Uh, Again, I'll explain in a little bit um, how we are different than a typical standard shelter manufacturing operator. Uh, Currently, today, we have two locations. Our headquarters and principal location is in Matamoros, Mexico. Uh, We have 400,000 square feet of manufacturing space, and depending on the seasonality, uh, just around 2,000 employees in Mexico. We have a secondary location in Saltillo, Mexico, where we have 78,000 square feet and roughly 200 employees at this point. And then um, on the U.S. side, we have a 70,000-square-foot distribution center where we do warehousing and distribution for many of our clientele.
0: You mentioned that you would tell us a little bit about the different types of models that are operational within Mexico's maquilador industry. Could you expand on that? Sure.
1: So when somebody's looking to come to Mexico, uh, there's – and this is fairly black and white explanation. Don't want anybody to argue with me that there's more options, uh, but um, there's basically three concepts. One is uh, you can come to Mexico and look for a contract manufacturer in the maquiladora industry. And my definition of a contract manufacturer is say, take wire harnesses. You have a company in Mexico they're operating as a maquiladora under the IMEX program but their focus is on wire harnesses. So you can come to them and give them your drawings, give them your production needs. They know how to go out and acquire the inventory. They have the engineering and design on staff to be able to basically build your harness for you. And you can look at them as a contractor in that you place POs with them. Uh, The second option is a standalone operation. Uh, most people would uh, familiarize themselves with this. Uh, some, like a General Motors, uh, an Optive, um, you know, a Delphi, large operations, Boeing, so forth, that come to Mexico, put in their own operation, uh, staff the program uh, with um, expats from the U.S. to get it up and running, and maybe oversee it on the long, uh, in the long term. Uh, staff it with uh, their own personnel. That model is one where the company, whether it's a US-based company, Chinese or other, is going to need to incorporate in Mexico uh, and therefore be in the Mexican system of paying taxes, uh, doing all their own legal work, having their own IMEX program, their own importing and exporting and so forth. And then the third option, um, or third main option, if if you will, is what many refer to as the shelter program. And under the shelter program, that is where a company, and to simplify the explanation here, uh, just will use a U.S. company, uh, partners with a shelter company who oftentimes already has the infrastructure in Mexico to set that company up. Now, most standard shelter manufacturers are going to incorporate that U.S. company in Mexico, put them in a facility, help them do all the importing and exporting, set up the Makila program for that company, help them staff it, and so forth. The shelter company in the in the ongoing process, would handle what many would refer to as the administrative functions. So the HR, the importing and exporting oversight, the customs oversight, uh, the accounting, the legal, and so forth. But the U.S. company many times is still going to be responsible for coming down and, manufa- and, and overseeing, managing the production aspect of the operation. <laughs> So, again, that's, Stephen, a a pretty black and white explanation of the three models. Now, Novalink, uh, to kind of give you a a little bit more of how there are some other options within the shelter manufacturing uh, industry. NovaLink decided that there were companies that did not have the resources or the desire to come down and and oversee the production management of the operation. So we have clients that may have 20, 25 operators here with us. They take up 2,500 to 3,000 square feet. Uh, We produce a product for them on an ongoing consistent basis. Um, The unique aspect of Novalink is that our clients are not incorporated in Mexico, so they don't have a Mexican entity. Uh, They don't have any legal ties to Mexico for things like accounting. There's no permanent establishment risk and so forth. Novalink acquires all of the permits under our Mequilera permit. We hire all the employees under our corporations in Mexico. Our clients typically provide us with all the equipment and raw materials and the know-how of building their product. So they'll come down, they'll teach us how to make their product, uh, you know, everything from the actual production process, the quality aspects of their products, and then also how to run the communication aspect of the relationship, whether they want us to run Epicor, Oracle, SAP, however they want us to communicate with them. All of that is the initial training of it, but then they get to go home and take their resources and focus on their business, and we oversee the manufacturing part of our relationship together.
0: You you mentioned a term that I think it's important to uh, illuminate. You mentioned IMEX in Mexico a couple of times. Could you just give the listeners a brief ex- explanation of, of what that term means?
1: Sure. So the IMEX program in Mexico is, is kind of all balled up within what a lot of people understand to be the maquiladora industry. Um, started back in the 80s with an agreement between the United States and Mexico of a U.S. company being able to come into Mexico set up and and qualify for a different taxing structure, right? So uh, there's a lot of rules and regulations that go around it that I don't think we need to necessarily get into. But from, from a general standpoint, I operate within the, within Mexico. I have a U.S. company. I also have a Mexican maquiladora. And I am permitted to operate within Mexico and not pay import duties or taxes on the raw materials and the equipment that I bring into Mexico with the understanding that it is all here on a temporary basis. So there's a lot of rules placed on me that when I import let's just say, a million lineal feet of uh, wire to build wire harnesses. I have a checks and balance system that I report to the Mexican government that shows that I'm importing that that million lineal feet of wire. And through the consumption of the bill of material of the finished product and the exportation of those finished products, I demonstrate to them that I am exporting it all back out of Mexico. And so they permit me to do that without paying any import taxes um, on that that wire. So that's a pretty general explanation of it. And again, there's a lot of programs that come along with the Maquiladora, with the IMEX program. And as you know, uh, it was modified, if you will, from NAFTA uh, to USMCA uh, as the primary uh, trading agreement uh, between the United States and Mexico. Uh, and Canada. And uh, so there's a lot of benefits, a lot of rules and, and regulations that go along with it, but that's in general what the IMEX program is.
0: Thanks for that explanation. Uh, given what you mentioned regarding the models in the Maquiladora industry, uh, based on that explanation that you provided to listeners, what type of partner in Mexico would you recommend that they consider working with?
1: Well, so a lot of thought needs to go into that. Right. So, you know, again, just not to pick on them or single them out in any way. But if you look at somebody like a General Motors, uh, a Fruit of the Loom, companies like that, you know, these are large Fortune 500 companies, lots of times Fortune 100 companies uh, that have the wherewithal, um, not only in labor resources, managerial resources, uh, but cash right, uh, to come down and set up their own operations. Uh, Many times, these are some of your larger maquiladoras in Mexico. Uh, Volkswagen's got a big uh, operation, Ford's got a big operation in Mexico, actually building finished-out vehicles. So when you look at something like that, the scale and scope of the program oftentimes would, I guess by definition, dictate that they're going to come down and put in their own operation. Now, for everybody else... Uh, that that you know may be requiring a smaller operation, or again, they don't want to commit the resources to Mexico to come down and manage it, or they just simply do not want to have their own legal entity in Mexico. Then a contract manufacturer or somebody like a Novalink is going to be of benefit to them. Um, in that process of thinking that through, uh, there's another um, I guess variable that comes into play. When you look at something like uh, getting started right, so Novalink has a few customers and and you know keep in mind, we've been doing this for thirty plus years. We've been a part of the natural evolution of manufacturing through the loom was actually one of my clients uh back in the early nineties, and to use them as an example, uh they wanted to get into Mexico, all their cut and sew was being done in the United States. And they wanted to get into Mexico, but they knew nothing about Mexico. So they started with Novalink, and we started off with about 25 operators and were sewing their products for them. That gave them the ability to start to learn Mexico and how things function in Mexico, and they were able to test the waters. Uh, we grew that operation to about four four 450 operators, and at that point... Um, And I want to say, Stephen, we had been manufacturing for them for probably four or five years. They decided that it was time for them to start to explore Mexico on their own and start to set up some of their own manufacturing operations. So the neat thing about a company like NovaLink is, um, again, I'm not committing you to a 50,000 square foot building. I'm not committing you to your own legal entity in Mexico. If you want to start with NovaLink. Uh, 20, 25, 30 operators, we get the program going. That operation grows to three, four, 500 operators and is consuming, you know, 30,000, 40,000 square feet. And at that point, uh, you decide to run the costing model and look at, okay, what am I going to have to go down and do on my own now if I decide to move out of NovaLink and use them as my stepping stone to my own operation in Mexico? Those are all the possibilities and the benefits that come along with choosing a company like Novalink to be your partner. It opens up a lot more um i guess variations and opportunities for you as you grow in Mexico without that full on upfront commitment of going out getting your own building incorporating and so forth
0: so what I'm hearing here is what uh, your company has to offer is a model that enables a manufacturer that perhaps has had no international experience. They don't have to go through the learning curve of doing business, all the intricacies of doing business in Mexico. They can immediately basically use your organization and your knowledge to immediately get the benefit of being in Mexico without having to experience that learning curve.
1: That's exactly right. Uh just to give you an example, uh we brought over a company today uh that we met 3 months ago. It's actually a Canadian outfit and they've been doing cut and sew up in Canada and starting to struggle with uh the cost of that labor and mathematically how that affects the the product that they have <clears throat> as well as the availability of labor and being able to find people that are willing to, you know, uh, take up the trade of of uh cut and sew. So we um, are starting them off today, and they're going to start with 15 operators. That'll quickly grow to 25 operators, and as their business grows, uh, hopefully we'll be in position to grow with them. So it's a very easy way to start and 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 get your feet wet in Mexico. And if you know if the size of your operation is only going to be 25 operators, then a company like Novalink is an excellent partner. Uh, Because that's what we've built our business off of. Um, Again, the neat thing about us is is that we are not pigeonholed into being a wire harness provider, um, a textile manufacturer. We've actually been in quite a few industries, uh, automotive, aviation, the medical space, consumer goods. We've been in cut and sew, uh, pharmaceuticals, wire harnesses. Um, we've built airport shuttle vans, football helmets, and we've even bagged potpourri.
0: That's <laughs> it's quite a diversity of activities you've been involved in. Given given that and what you've said, uh, what are the available resources that someone should uh, take into account that should be dedicated to Mexico?
1: So, anytime you do uh, an international operation, um, it is you know kind of bringing this back to. Exaggerate the point. Let's talk about a U.S. company that has not done any manufacturing abroad. They again, if they partner with somebody like AnovaLink, then the resources that they are going to need to commit to the program are going to be somebody that will be able to communicate with us and and provide us with what the manufacturing schedule is going to be. They're going to need to provide us with certificates of origin for all the raw materials. Uh, Somebody that will probably continue to do all the material ordering and material acquisition. And then after that, it's basically just communicating with the Mexican operation. And we'll put somebody as a project lead for that particular customer. And those individuals will communicate on a daily basis to talk about you know quality production efficiencies, uh, ramping up the production capabilities and so forth um if If one of your listeners is looking to do a contract manufacturing type relationship, again, they'll need to designate somebody as the lead on that project that will be able to communicate directly with the with the contract manufacturer. And if they decide to do something on their own, then you know the the resource commitment is going to be that much deeper. Somebody that will be able to spend more time in Mexico, uh, possibly relocate to Mexico to be able to be in the factory, um, dealing with the day to day on site uh, issues that arise um, with the operation.
0: What's the manufacturing background that? Companies who are seeking to get involved in this type of relationship should look out for.
1: You know, one of the things we're seeing today is a lot of companies um, migrated overseas, and when I say overseas, I'm talking about China, India, uh, places that were a, a, a lot farther away from home, right? From and talking primarily about the U.S. Uh, commercial industry. So when that happened, you know, Stephen, a lot of these companies basically gave up their manufacturing capabilities. Uh, they're, They're basically buying product from somebody in China, for example. And so what we're seeing today is companies coming back that are having to recreate that manufacturing capability. And Noble Inc., um, being that we've been in manufacturing, uh, my father, who started the business, Bill Wolf, um, he came from a long history of being in the manufacturing industry with a stint at General Motors um, initially and Trico Technologies after that. Um, The rest of us that are currently running the operation, uh, my brother, Brad Wolf, who is the Senior VP of Administrative Operations, and Luis Muschies, who is the Senior VP of Manufacturing Operations. We have 30-plus years of manufacturing experience here with Novalink. So we're able to help these companies recreate that capability. Um, your Your question kind of lends into how do you choose a partner in Mexico? If you're going alone and you're going to do a standalone, you are going to need help with legal with accounting with import export and so forth, so and you're probably going to hire a Mexican national to be your general manager so forth um if you're going with a contract manufacturer, then obviously you want you want to make sure that that company um has the background, which if they're a contract manufacturer, you would assume that they have a background in whatever product, whatever category they're in. Or if you're picking to to take the route of a shelter manufacturer, what you really want to focus on is what's their manufacturing background. And and because you're selecting a partner here, right? Um, It's, It's like you're selecting a a financial partner to get into business with you or a private equity company. What are you looking for? Are you looking for somebody that can help you because they have the experience in the industry? Are you looking for just a private equity partner to give you cash and, and let you go and do it on your own? And the same thing kind of applies with the shelter manufacturer. Are you looking for a company that is really good at administrative roles? Then there's shelters out there that are really good at that. Um, Are you looking for a manufacturing partner that is able to, uh, you know, that that is a manufacturing minded experiential group that can that can understand what the manufacturing is all about? Right. That's going that you're going to be able to teach them how to do your processes And then walk away from it, go back home and let them oversee the manufacturing. um, That's an Ovalink, right? We, you know, if you're looking for somebody to be your legal representative in Mexico, we're really good at it, but it's not my core competency. You know, I'm not going to just do all your legal work for you. Um, You know, we're going to be your manufacturing partner that actually oversees the manufacturing side of the business.
0: You know, you brought up something very interesting. Um, there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of years about nearshoring and people bringing back uh, manufacturing from, in particular, China, China. And we find that most of those companies have done what it is that you say. They basically source the product from the Chinese, they don't get involved in the manufacturing. So companies that are looking for that kind of relationship with somebody that's near shore, they would look towards somebody like you. Is that correct?
1: Uh, to some degree, yes. Now, <clears throat> you know, if if you take somebody, for example, to use a silly example, um, you know, mugs, if somebody just wants to order and buy mugs or order and buy ball caps, Uh, No, Noble Inc. is is not your partner. We're not. We're not in the ball cap manufacturing business. Now, if you make ball caps or you've been in a relationship with somebody, again, to use the example of China, where you're ordering ball caps from them on a very consistent basis and you want to leverage all of the value propositions of having an operation in Mexico what Novalink would say is, okay, we're going to set up a ball cap manufacturing line or project program for you with you, right? So that would mean uh, between the two companies, Link and Company X, we're going to need to acquire all the CapEx to be able to do that, which is going to be the sewing equipment, the embroidery equipment, the cutting equipment, and so forth. And then we're going to set that up in that project, is going to be dedicated to you, my client, company X. And we're going to make, I don't know, a, a thousand ball caps a day, a thousand ball caps a week. We're going to set it up to make the production needs that you have. So that's where somebody like a NovaLink comes in, where these companies that are going to come back and say, okay, I want to find the same model that I have in China, where I just want to order ball caps from somebody That's going to be more of a, I need to find a ball cap contract manufacturer in Mexico that is currently making ball caps. And the ability to do that in Mexico right now is much more limited than it is in China. I mean, China spent the past, you know, arguably 30 years developing that supply chain in China. And to give them credit, um, and all your listeners already know this, they got very good at. Uh, they have put in a, a supply chain model in China where if you want to make a ball cap out of wire mesh, uh, they probably got somebody over there that'll figure out how to do it and and get it done. So Mexico is developing that supply chain. Uh, and has been doing so over probably the past ten to fifteen years, as companies are really looking to—I I don't want to say deglobalize because I don't know that deglobalization is much of a reality—but uh, deglobalize as much as possible and nearshore as much as possible. So you know coming back finding injection molding finding uh, pc boards finding uh, painting and metal fab and so forth here in mexico mexico is doing a, a yeoman's job of things like uh, textile production being able to you know provide fabrics uh, out of mexico and quite frankly i hope that the us uh, will realize and see the opportunity in a lot of those much more, I think, capital-intensive operations, uh, like injection molding and fabrics and, and you know plastics and metals and so forth, that would make a lot of sense to do in the U.S., and then do all the assembly and uh, kind of secondary production, if you will, um, leveraging our manufacturing partner here in Mexico.
0: Jason, in a short period of time, we've covered a pretty good amount of ground. What we find is that listeners uh, of our podcasts, they inevitably have more questions and, and want to go deeper into the subject matter in some cases. That being said, how would somebody contact you to be able to email you or uh, whatever communications mode you prefer? How would they be able to get in contact with you to be able to... Have you expand on this topic further for them?
1: Sure, and and thank you for that opportunity, Stephen. Uh, one, they they certainly can reach out to you and and uh, get put in contact uh, with me via you. Uh, the other is is I, my my um, direct line here in Mexico is area code nine five six nine eight six six seven two seven. Uh, I also have a a personal email, which is wolf. that's J-W-O-L-F-E, at novalinkmx.com. And then also we have a a website, which is novalinkmx.com. And uh, on there, we have a um, a form to fill out, which would put uh, your listeners in direct communication with one of my uh, business development uh, VPs.
0: Thanks for that. Uh, What the listener can keep in mind also is that uh, in the written transcript that is uh, on this website that recorded this conversation, we'll have that information on that text. And if it's okay with you, Jason, uh, if you have a LinkedIn page, we'd like to put a link to your LinkedIn page so that people could contact you that way.
1: Uh, Yeah, let me... uh pull up my linkedin because i have to admit i do not know it off the top of my Well head. that's okay. We'll just put a link
0: in the uh the text that will accompany this podcast. So, they'll just have to simply click on it and uh they'll have your your page.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, i want to
0: thank you for joining us today. It's been very instructive. We wish you good luck in 2023 and uh, beyond
1: well i do appreciate the opportunity Stephen, and uh, best of luck to you as well and i look forward to uh, talking to you again and continuing our relationship
0: thank you have a great day and uh, good luck thanks Stephen.